0: The Torah reading for the second day of Rosh Hashanah is taken from the twenty second chapter of the book of Genesis, the story of the binding of Isaac. Our story begins in the first verse Bahia Kar hadima and it came to pass after these things Vahelokimni Saat Avraham that God tested Abraham. Bayomray love Avraham Hineni, he said Avraham, and Abraham responded Hineni, which is the Hebrew contraction for Hineani. I am present. We must turn our attention at first to the meaning of V'yihi achar ha Ela after these things. To what specifically does chapter 22 connect? What are these things? And it's interesting that there are certainly minimally three possibilities, three different ways to explain Akhar HaDivarim Rashi connects us to a story which appears in the previous Chapter. Not the prior story, which is the story of Abraham's treaty with Avi Melech, the king of the Philistines, but rather the story that precedes that, which is the birth of Isaac and the banishment of Yishmael. The Rashbab, Rashi's grandson, Shmuel ben Meir, suggests that Achar hadzvarima Elaf that the story of the binding of Isaac takes place after these things, in a quite straightforward way, it follows the story that immediately precedes the treaty with Avimelech. One could add that another plausible interpretation of chapter 22, after these things, means after all of these things, that the story of the binding of Isaac is a culmination of all the Abraham stories, beginning especially with the 12th chapter. What I'd like to do first is to look at these three possibilities and try to understand the significance of each of the three. Let us first begin with Rashi, who connects the story to the banishment of Yishmael and the birth of Isaac in the previous chapter. What is it in the text that Rashi sees? If we look at the previous chapter, we will notice that the story of the banishment of Yishmael and Abraham's actual expulsion of Yishmael in chapter 21 begins with the expression in Hebrew, Avraham baboker. And Abraham arose up early in the morning, the 14th verse of the 21st chapter. And the Torah describes what Abraham did. He took bread, he took water, gave it to Hagar, placed it upon her, and together with the child, and he sent her away. Vayashchem Avraham Baboker, and Abraham arose up early in the morning, is the way the story of the binding of Isaac begins in terms of what Abraham does. In the third verse, describing what Abraham does, in the 22nd chapter, Vayashchem Avraham Baboker, Vayachavoshet Hamoro, Vayikachet Shnei The Torah describes, in the 22nd chapter, Abraham again arising early in the morning, saddling his own donkey, taking with him two young boys and Isaac, hewing the wood for the burnt offering, getting up and walking to the place of which God has spoken. So the two stories begin the same way, which suggests to us that there may be in fact a deeper connection between the banishment of Ishmael of chapter 21 and the binding of Isaac in chapter 22. What other connections are present in the text? Because before we interpret the text, we want to see, we want to discover or uncover the cues within the text. Chapter twenty one tells us about Hagar's treatment of her son. After Abraham has arisen early in the morning and given the bread and water to Hagar, the Torah tells us in the fourteenth Pasuk of the twenty first chapter, Vatelech Vateita that Hagar got lost in the wilderness of Beersheba. After she gets lost, she runs out of water. She runs out of water. She places the child, literally throws the child. Under one of the bushes. She sat a distance away, across from her child. (laughs) Harcheik ki Keshet, a boshad away ki amra for she said al ereb Yared, I don't want to see the child die. Patechev mineged she sat across from her child. Patsat kolavatev she lifted her voice and she cried. Now in the twenty first chapter, the Torah describes God's response. And God heard the voice of the lad. And an angel called down to Hagar from heaven and said, What is with you, Hagar? It means, what is your problem, Hagar? I'll tiri, don't be afraid. For well, God has heard the cry of the lad, the one over there. Go and lift up your child. Hold him. I will make him a great nation. God opened the eyes of Hagar, and she saw a well of water. She went and filled up the jug with water, and she gave the child to drink. The chapter then concludes by telling us that God was with the child. He grew up. He lived in the desert, became an archer. He dwelt in the desert of Paran. And our story concludes in the 21st verse, Fatikah I imo isha, his mother, got him a wife from the land of Egypt. Now before we turn our attention to the Abraham story, the binding of Isaac. What is the Torah's take on Hagar? How does the Torah interpret and evaluate what Hagar has done? And it's interesting that when Hagar places her child across from her, under the shrubs, the angel calls out to Hagar, and says to Hagar, in the 17th pasuk, Malach Hagar, Hagar, what is wrong? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the lad, Basher Husham, the one over there. In the Bible, rhetorical questions are, generally speaking, criticisms. When the rhetorical question is asked by God, or by an angel of God, there are always criticisms. What is with you, Hagar? Malach Hagar is a criticism of her. What is your problem, Hagar? Why are you behaving the way you behave? Because Hagar's behavior is problematic. First of all, it demonstrates a lack of faith in a promise which he has already received. In the 16th chapter of Genesis, when Hagar first runs away from Sarah, An angel confronts her in the desert and instructs her to go home. Hagar is silent, after which the angel tells her, Go back, for God has heard your suffering. Your son will grow up in the desert, be a wild man, pera adam, he will dwell amongst his brethren. She has already been told by God, by the angel, that her son will be successful. And yet in chapter 21... She thinks that she and her son will perish together in the wilderness. So what we have over here is a lack of faith in a prior promise. But it's more than simply a lack of faith in a prior promise. The Torah also tells us that when Hagar is sent out, she gets lost in the desert. She got up and got lost, vateta. In the book of Genesis, when you are lost, you are not simply geographically lost. Being lost, not knowing where you are going geographically, in the book of Genesis, means that you don't understand where you are going spiritually, religiously, and in every other way. In fact, the word appears three times, minimally three times, in the book of Genesis. It appears, in fact, in chapter 20. When Abraham says to Avi Melech, who has questioned him, Why did you say your wife is your sister? You almost got me killed, says Avi Melech, in the 20th chapter. What did you see to say this thing? And Abraham responds in the 20th chapter, beginning in the 11th verse, with three different answers. The first being, I was afraid I would die, because I saw this place as not a God-fearing place. And then he continues to speak. But the truth of the matter is, he says, she really is my sister. She's the daughter of my father, but not my mother. I took her as a wife. Which is a strange answer. I didn't really lie to you. Fundamentally, she is my sister. Yes, she's also my wife. But basically, she's my sister. But then he continues to speak. In the 13th verse of the 20th chapter, Abraham says to Avimelech. And it came to pass. Ever since God has caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to my wife, I said to her, This is the kindness you should show me. Wherever we go, say always, He is my brother. So that Abraham's third answer to the question is, Why did you do this? His answer is, because this is what we've always done. This is what we've done every place we go. It's not directed specifically against you. We always do this. Every place we go, I insist, she's my sister. And she always says, he's my brother. Ever since we wander aimlessly, the Abraham who can say in chapter 20, that Sarah is my sister, after God is insisting in chapter 20, it's your wife. It's the one that shares your destiny is the same Abraham who can say about himself, I wander aimlessly. So the term to'eh, that Hebrew word to'eh, in Abraham's self-description of chapter 20, suggests to us that at that point in his life, unlike the Abraham that we read about in chapter 22, who will see very clearly, but the Abraham of chapter 20 has issued a confessional statement. I am lost. I don't understand, at this point in my life, where I'm going. The same can be said for the presence of the word To'eh in the 37th chapter of Genesis, in conjunction with Yosef, with Joseph's narrative, where Jacob sends Joseph in the 37th chapter to reunite with Joseph's brothers. The brothers are not talking to Joseph. The brothers are angry at Joseph because Joseph has reported on them back to their father because Joseph has dreams in which the brothers are subservient to him. He tells the brothers about his dreams and the Torah says they hated Joseph and that the hatred increased. And Jacob sends Joseph out to meet his brothers in the 13th and 14th verses of the 37th chapter. And the Torah tells us that before Joseph meets his brothers, he gets lost. Joseph was sent to find his brothers in the city of Shechem in the 37th chapter of Genesis. But a man met Joseph, says the Torah, and Joseph was lost in the field. And a man said to Joseph, What do you seek? And Joseph said, I seek my brothers. Where are they? And the man said to Joseph, They've left this place. They are no longer in the city of Shechem. Shechem in the Joseph story is the city of brotherly love. It's the city where brother defends sibling. But Joseph cannot find his brothers in the city of brotherly love. He finds them instead in a very different place called Dotan, which means trouble or quarrel. And from there, Joseph will be sold into slavery. Why did Joseph not meet his brothers in the appropriate place? And the Torah tells us thenate To. Part of the problem is Joseph's inability to find the place. The inability to reconcile with his brothers, says the Torah, in some measure is Joseph's fault, because it's Joseph's inability to, to perceive. And that's precisely what we have in the Hagar story. Hagar is a person who, when sent out into the desert, gets lost. She cannot find the place. Vatelech vateita. So she has a lack of faith in the promise and she has a lack of perception. And it's interesting that when finally God does speak to her and reassures Hagar, the Torah tells us in the 19th verse that God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. It's not that she perceives But the Torah presents it as God opening her eyes. Only then is she able to understand how to save her child. So there's a lack of faith. There's a failure of perception. And above that, there's the inappropriate response of the parent to the suffering of the child. Because what Hagar does is, she places her child far away from her. A bow shot away. For she said... I don't want to see my child die. She lifted up her voice and she cried. And the Torah says, interestingly, and God heard the voice of the lad. The Torah has never told us that the lad was crying. The Torah says she was crying. But the response is not to her cry. The response is to the cry of the lad, which is indirectly a criticism of Hagar. And then the angel says, oh God, what's wrong? What's your problem? Don't be afraid. God has heard the cry of the child. Which child? The one over there. The one you placed far away from yourself. The one that you distanced yourself from. And how far away? A bow shot away. Interesting. As we continue to read the story, what the Torah says about this child when the child grows up. And God was with the child. And the child grew up. He lived in the desert. He became an archer, a rovet kashat, a bozeman, which in the eyes of Genesis is not a esteemed profession. He's a warrior. Why does he become an archer? And part of the answer is because his mother sat away from him, a bowshot. If the lack of parental involvement in this child which encourages the child to be what the child becomes, and what the Torah describes in the 16th chapter of Genesis, a wild ass of a man, a perah adam. His hand is against everybody, and everybody's hand against his. So what we have over here is a lack of faith, a failure of perception, and a failure to be an appropriate parent, to be with the child in the child's suffering. But instead, one who stays far away, because she says, I don't want to see the child suffering. And God says to her, Hagar, Malach Hagar, what is with you? This is the inappropriate response for all of the three reasons. And this story begins with the expression by Abraham Avraham Abraham got up early in the morning, supplied her with the food, supplied her with enough food. The term Lechem, by the way, in the Torah, does not necessarily mean Bread. Lechem in biblical Hebrew means that which sustains you. Sometimes it means meat. At karboni lachmili ishai, the Torah speaks about the daily sacrifice as lechem, even though it was an animal sacrifice. So Abraham did not give her insufficient food. Quite the opposite. He gave her enough to sustain her and the child. But it's Hagar's lack of vision. It's Hagar's getting lost, which has put herself and her child in danger. Now we turn our attention to the 22nd chapter, the second, the reading of Rosh Hashanah for the second day, the binding of Isaac. And we see that the story of the binding of Isaac has direct connections to the Hagar, Yishmal story of chapter 21. Both begin the same way. Abraham arose early in the morning. In the first case, he gives to Hagar, he places upon Hagar the bread, and the water, sending her away. In the second chapter, he gets up early in the morning, and he takes for himself the two lads and Isaac and the wood, and they begin to walk. In the fourth verse of the 22nd chapter, the Torah describes Abraham walking towards the place that God has chosen. By on the third day, says the Torah in the 22nd chapter. Rahamet Abraham lifted up his eyes. He saw the place from a distance. The Torah has described Abraham as seeing the place from a distance. In other words, Abraham is described as the one who has the appropriate perception. is able to see things even though they're very far away. And it's striking that in the 22nd chapter, in the 13th verse, after Abraham is told by the angel not to slaughter his son Isaac, once again the Torah says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes, He saw, and behold, a ram behind him, entangled in the thicket. So twice in the twenty second chapter, both in the initial taking of Isaac and the discovery of the place. The Torah describes Abraham as seeing the place from far away. And then in the thirteenth verse, the Torah describes Abraham as lifting up his eyes and seeing a ram which is behind him. There are two things that are very difficult to see those things that are very far away and those things that may be very close but out of our line of vision. And the Torah describes Abraham as seeing both. And not only does it describe Abraham as seeing both, but it uses the term in each case that Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw. In striking contrast to the Hagar of the 21st chapter, there the Torah said, and God opened her eyes and she saw. In the case of Abraham, it's his own perception. He's able to see the place that God has chosen from a distance. Now the story continues. We move ahead in the 22nd chapter. And here we have a conversation. <speaking in Hebrew> So Abraham said to the young lads he had brought along, two young lads, you stay here together with the donkey. I and the lad will go there. We will bow down and return to you. It's interesting in the story of the binding of Isaac. Essentially, the story, in a sense, has two different strands. On one level, the Torah describes to us all that Abraham does. And it does so by using a series of verbs. He got up in the morning, he saddled the donkey, he took the lads, he hewed the wood, he got up, he walked. All of the verbs. On the third day he lifted his eyes, he saw. And suddenly in the fifth verse, the Torah introduces a conversation. Until this point, it's simply Abraham's actions. But in verse 5, it's a conversation that Abraham has with the two lads that he brings along. The two lads in the story have two literary functions. Firstly, they enable us to focus on the fact that Isaac alone is taken for the sacrifice by leaving the other two behind. He takes the two with him and then he leaves them behind, taking only Isaac with Abraham, taking only Isaac to be bound, and to be sacrificed. But the second literary function of the two lads is they provide Abraham an opportunity to speak. You can't dialogue with yourself. Abraham says something to these two lads, and what he says is, we're going to bow down, and we're going to return. Now the Torah could have omitted this conversation. It is, of course, gratuitous, except if, it truly accords with what Abraham is thinking. The Torah does not tell us what he's thinking. The Torah doesn't tell us what he's feeling. But the Torah does tell us what he says. And what he says in verse 5 is, we're going to go there, bow down, we are going to return. Which means, as I see it, that in some way Abraham believes that things will turn out for the best. He doesn't know how. He knows what God has told him. He hasn't misheard He understands he's to sacrifice Isaac. Bring him up as a sacrifice means to slaughter him. Let's make no mistake about that. On the other hand, the God of Abraham is the God who has promised Abraham through Isaac will the covenant be carried out. God has said this already in chapter 17 and Abraham believes in that promise but he's faced with a contradiction. So on the level of what he does, all his deeds, all his actions point to the fact. That he intends to carry out this terrible command. But in terms of what he says in the fifth verse, what he says is, I believe it will turn out for the best. I believe somehow we are going to return. And now the Torah continues the story in the sixth verse. He took the wood, he placed it upon his son Isaac. It's parallel to what it says in chapter 21 with Hagar. He placed Sam Al he placed the provision on the shoulders of Hagar. Here he places the wood upon Isaac. And he took together in his own hands the fire and the, the knife, and now the Torah adds, and the two of them walked together. In striking contrast to the Hagar of chapter 21, who sits afar from her child, Abraham, even as he is going to slaughter his own son, walks together with him. And now we have the second conversation. Isaac said to Abraham, Father, and he said, I am present, my son. And Isaac said, Father, I see the wood, I see the, the fire. Where is the lamb for slaughter? Yomer Avraham, and Abraham responded, My son, God will show us, God will provide for us, God will choose for himself a lamb for slaughter. And the two of them walked together. Here the theme repeats. In terms of what Abraham does, We understand it will lead up to the slaughter of Isaac. But in terms of the two conversations, what Abraham says, he's repeated the same idea again. Namely, God will show, God will provide for himself a lamb. Somehow, Abraham believes, as his speech expresses it, that things will turn out for the best. That is the faith of Abraham. And that's why Abraham doesn't argue with God. There's no place to argue with God. If you believe, if you trust, that God will do what is best. And that's the Abraham of chapter 22. So the Abraham of chapter 22 believes, has faith in the promise. The Abraham of chapter 22 has the appropriate perception. And the Abraham of chapter 22 is one who walks together with his son. The two of them walk together.